0: How about that cigar?
1: How
2: about that cigar?
0: Was that an attempt? It was at Jimmy Stewart? It. Yes. I'll take it. I'll okay, take it. You. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to give you a pass on that one. Guys, welcome to the Drew Estate Cigar Studios for episode 124 of How About That Cigar Live. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us live on Facebook, live on YouTube, and for those of you listening after the fact on the audio podcast, thank you so much for listening to us while you drive down the road, while you work out, whatever it is you do when you listen to your favorite audio podcast. Thank you so much for making How About That Cigar a part of your listening enjoyment. And as always, guys, we are brought to you from the Drew Estate Cigar Studios and let's talk about the beautiful new 25 count boxes for the Liga Privada uh, Unico Series Papas Fritas. Since the launch of Papas Fritas in 2012, the Vitola quickly became one of the most beloved and popular offerings in the Liga Privada Unico Series line. The small, handy size made the cigar an excellent yeah, choice yeah. for cigar lovers who only have a short time to enjoy a rich and savory Liga Privada. While the packaging will be changing to consumer-friendly 25-count boxes, the uniquely constructed cigars in each box will remain the same Papas Fritas. The Marketplace has come to love. For more info and all of that, please visit DrewEstate.com. So, Garrett, mm. episode 124, mm-hmm. our favorite night of the week, Monday night. Yep. Uh, we're coming to, you know, the the last uh, 30-ish games of the Major League Baseball season.
2: I think we got a shot. <laughs> you think
0: we're only 17 and a half games back right now. and we got a shot. So you think we... Yeah, yeah, I don't think we have a shot. It, uh, we would, hey, you uh, you guys know how much we love the Minnesota Twins, but uh, no. Oh, yes, yes, i I shaved. Did a thing. I shaved off my beard. So for those of you tuning in, expecting to see Matt here, uh, Matt's taking the night off. Mm-hmm. Matt's younger brother has uh, Earl. Earl has stepped in, um, and we, uh, yeah, it's it was just time, you know, uh, so. As you guys know, I I pick a random time during the year. I don't really even pick it. It's just during the year, sometime I I just say I, I'm tired of the beard. I'm sick of it. I shave it off. I give I give the skin on my face a few weeks to relax, and then I <laughs> then I grow it right back. And most people know me with the beard. Uh, very few people know me without it. Uh, I I know for a fact that uh, uh, Justin Andrews from Diesel is is going to be hounding me to grow back he hates disappointed he's yeah he the last time i shaved off my beard he started in on the comments saying matt grow the beard back right now and he was he was very upset about it in an unreasonable (laughs) kind of way (laughs) yeah yes i i realize it's it's a it's a shock to the system um so yeah it's it's been uh you know a, a rough season for the twins they didn't do well there's no way we're going to turn it around. You, you can't make up 17 and a half games with only 30 games left in the season. It's, what are you going to do? They'll be back next season. And even in a
2: bad division.
0: Even in a, yes. Even in a bad division, we're still in last place in the division. And eighth from the bottom in all of Major League Baseball. I think we've only had 58 wins. I'm pretty sure we've only had 58 wins so far. So the hunt for 100 losses, that is, is still in play i don't think we're only going to win you know two uh two or three more games but yeah you know it's just been a bad season uh preseason football has been an absolute joke um dumpster most fire most teams have not been playing their starters at all uh where typically you see they play you know the first two minutes of the game And then they put in, you know, everybody else to give them a shot. So many teams have been playing their starters zero minutes. And I think a lot of them learned last season, there was no preseason because of the COVID year. Um, And I think a lot of teams learned, hey, you know, we don't need a preseason. So they're resting their starters. Uh, So guys, as always, let us know what you are smoking and drinking while you watch the show. Uh, Put that in the comments um and share us out right now to your favorite facebook cigar groups uh we have the youtube broadcast as well share it out let everybody know we're live we have a great conversation coming up this evening we have a wonderful special guest and speaking of special guests You guys know that on How About That Cigar Live, special guests are always brought to you by Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, the Internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You'll also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, President and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff borshowitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and CoronaCigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing this special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or are just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you would, please put your hands together and welcome to episode 124 of How About That Cigar Live from J.C. Newman's Cigars, Bobby Newman,
3: welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Got it, Matt and Garrett. Thank you. I'm, we're honored to be here. Uh, before we before we were talking uh, before we started, and I'm sitting outside my patio. And everybody in Florida has pools, uh, and it's uh, 86 degrees right now. And it's uh, see we're an hour later than you, so it's 9:40. Uh, aren't you Central Time?
0: We are That's Central, a- yes.
3: Right, and it's a 90 90 plus percent humidity and. <laughs> makes me want to makes me want to fly up to Min- Minneapolis right now. Let tell you that. Yeah, huh?
0: we're pretty lucky right now. It's it seventy four degrees. It's beautiful outside. Um, we had we had a very unusual summer. I mean, we a lot of people don't know that Minnesota, aside from the the overall climate, Minnesota topographically is not much different than Florida. It's basically just a big swamp. And so we get a lot of very high humidity in, in, in the summer. But this summer was one of the hottest on record and the and the absolute driest on record that I can remember. The uh, water levels in every lake and river and stream are extremely low, uh, even with a ton of rain over the weekend. You know, it's, it is what it is. It's been a it's been a hot summer. But um, we're glad that you were braving the uh, braving the Florida humidity and heat with us this evening and we're looking forward to having having a great conversation what what are you uh firing up to start out the show tonight
3: well i thought with senses and and I, I love this is the first time i have been or we've i've seen your show and uh, i love i was not aware that jeff Borshowitz our our brother and da- a neighbor down the street uh is 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 one is your one of your sponsors that's great and yeah um just we just wonder what i'm smoking is the since uh the yagua and uh we brought it out last year uh we we make a thousand boxes and um we allocate we got them in thursday of last week and by by this friday they'll be gone we allocate them all out to our regional sales managers as we call our salesman, salesmen, and um, it's a Connecticut broadleaf cigar, the the Yagua. Some of them are three sided, some of them are four sided, and some of them are five sided. And uh, so um, we have, um, and, and, and I, I'm smoking the this year's version of it. It's a little bit. Dark. It's a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper. It's a dark. so we we gave it a little more time, so the wrapper's a little darker and uh, a little more, slightly more robust than last year. But I yeah. think everyone, hopefully, everyone will enjoy it.
0: Yeah, that's a really unique cigar, and we saw the uh, uh, the info come up out about that today that it's getting released again. And it's for those of you guys who haven't tried it, it's it's a really unique smoking experience because they're not, you know, it's it, you have to go into it with an open mind, seeing the cigar that it's not perfectly cylindrical. It's not, you know, it's they're they're not, you know, they don't spend time in molds like our our a lot of our other favorite cigars do. So they're they they look. Uh, you know, they, they look slightly rough, but mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they, they smoke very nicely. So yep. I, I encourage everybody to go out there and check those cigars out when they hit, uh, when they hit your shops. Um, so Bobby, we are very grateful to have you on the show. Uh, JC Newman is, is a cigar company that has rich history. And that's one of the things that we really love is diving into the history of the people, the history of the companies. Um, and really the history of the families, that's one of the things that we love about uh, so many companies in the cigar business. And we talked a little bit about this before we went live, that there are so many family-oriented businesses in, in the cigar world. And um, and and J.C. Newman Cigar Company is, is, is really a, a prime example of that as far as I'm concerned. There's such a rich history. And so when we were doing the show prep for this, I actually went out uh, and I encourage all of our viewers and listeners to do this. There's actually a link to the book written by J.C. Newman, um, that was published, uh, uh I, I believe not long before, not long before he passed, but there Correct. was a, a book published and I started reading that book and I could not stop reading it. I was just enamored with what I was reading and excited to go to the next paragraph. Um, uh, and and it's really a simple walk through his history and and what brought him to the united states and what got him into the cigar business in cleveland and then in tampa and really an interesting story so one of the things that we like to talk about because everybody along the along the way if they grow up in a cigar family everybody still has the opportunity and the ability at least in in the united states to Kind of make their own way and and carve their own path and start their own different thing, but so many people just continue to feel drawn to the family business, to the cigar business. So, we is that something you were always drawn to growing up? Is was that you knew that you were going to be a part of the family business?
3: Absolutely, and uh, in uh, back in the '60s, my mother took my brother and I to. Living in Tampa, uh, I remember the first time that I really got it. Um, growing up, we, we moved to Tampa, one thousand, nine hundred and fifty-four, uh, and I was three years old. So now everyone knows how old I am, and uh, <laughs> I'm already thirty-nine years old. But uh, <laughs> uh, so my mother took. We were making three hundred thousand cigars a day, at running two shifts. We were making two brands. One was called Questere made on these 1931 American machine and foundry hand-operated machines. We're making 40,000 quest a day, and we're making 260,000 Rigolettos, Rigoletto blackjacks, Rigoletto Palma grandes. And um, the my mom, my, our mother took my brother and me to see the factory. I, I remember she, my mother was very formal. She made us dress up. go to the factory had to get a tie on and so forth and um i remember seeing the rigoletto palma grande's and being made and this was on a friday on saturday our parents drove us i was nine years old when i was in the factory and and they drove we went to miami which we thought we were going to los angeles this was before they had interstates if you can believe it and Uh we stayed at the hotel called the the fountain blue which was brand new hotel and they were famous. They were the first hotel in the history of the world, probably, to have in the deep end, to have a, instead of having, uh, more, more, most, all pools are solid. They had In the deep end, they had a very, uh, a thick, it went down 12 feet. Uh, it was a, a huge glass pane. And you could see everyone. It was such a cool deal. But, so we're there on, a, we got there uh, Saturday morning. And uh, my father took my brother and I out. To work with our salesman, and uh, in Miami at the time, the first stop we went into. Since it was a long story, but first story, first stop we went into, um, the uh, my father, my brother, and me, and we were there for two minutes. And somebody walked in, and he he said, "Do you have a Do you have Palma Grande?" And so I saw him put. It was sixty nine cents for a pack of five, and mm. so the man put his dollar. Dollar down, and that was when I had and my my aha moment because I just seen the cigar being made in our factory in Tampa. Here we were in Miami, which which I thought was a million miles away, and something hit me in my head and my heart. At that point, uh, I knew I this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I wanted to sell cigars for our family company, Hmm. and uh, that was uh, to be able to have an aha moment knowing. At, at that at nine years old, what you want to do the rest of your life was obviously life changing. And yeah. uh, so here we are, uh, for many, many years later, uh, having our company. We're 120 today, uh, this year, we're 126 year old company. We're the oldest cigar company in the United States. Grandpa JC started in 1895. And I remember him, um, used to go to his house every Sunday for, di- for, for dinner and, um, Grandpa JC died in his office, at, he was 83 years old, and my dad took over, and dad died in uh, 2006. He was 90 years old in 12 weeks, and uh, he, his heart stopped in my brother's office, literally. My wife and I and our two sons, we were at a YMCA camp in North Carolina. My brother called me up and said, look, uh, my, uh, you, uh, our dad had a little episode, and you may need to come home. And we just got this YMCA camp, so we came home, and I, I knew that Dad was gone, and uh, but they kept him alive, and coincidentally on a respirator, and now mm. everyone because of COVID knows what that is, and uh, Dad had a uh, uh, living will, and I got there, and and he was he was not going to be he had flatlined, but he's being kept alive, and um so be, before he left us. Um, it, uh, he, had, he donated his. It was in his will to donate his his any any body part that could be used. He donated his retina, and mm. that was the only part that could be used. And uh, so, I'm telling you this because our our retirement program is basically we work till we drop dead. So <laughs> um, we we have no just being facetious. We have a great 401 4 uh, 401k program, but it's a um, uh, it's, we, we've had, uh, uh you're talking about the book, uh, uh, grandpa JC's book called smoke dreams and drew my nephew, who's the fourth generation, he put that online and there's another book highly recommend called a dad wrote a book when he was uh, 80 years old or had a book written about the first hundred years in the cigar family, uh, in the cigar industry. And it's called cigar family. It's dedicated to the Carlos Fuente family and dad dedicated to his his parents and his family as well but you can see it on it's people who read it love it and of course it's a yeah. little hard it's, it's like looking at their own children aren't they beautiful but it's a huh. it's a great life stories in the book and again you go to JC JC Newman.com and you can you can read the book
0: yeah and it's really it's really great to have those resources out there I applaud the family for having that um, on the website available to read because uh, I think it's, uh, it's it's. There's something satisfying about sitting back with a premium cigar while smoking and enjoying that cigar. Also, reading up on the history of the family who made that cigar. There's something special about that.
2: While you're nestled into a plume of cigar tobacco. Yes. <laughs> and no. Uh, yeah. Bobby, it, we were talking a little bit before the show about how important family is and some of the wonderful families in cigars. Clearly, the Newman family has has been a pillar in cigars for, you know, uh, over 120 years now, which is incredible. I know that facts not last on you, but could you tell us a little bit about how important family is to you in the cigar industry?
3: Well, it's it's uh, thank you. Great, great question, great statement. Um, I think what makes the, the premium cigar, handmade cigar industry so great and we all compete against each other. Um, our family are, are very active on the Cigar Rights of America and, and uh, you, the, who, who's on that? You, you had uh, uh, you know, the Fuentes and Padron and Lido and uh, Pete Johnson, uh, Drew Estate was on there for, for a long time. Jeff Borsiewicz was the, our first president of the Cigar Rights of America and uh you know and what's happened over the years just like uh to every other company in the united states and, and around the world there have been a lot of mergers uh, a lot of people from europe uh out uh have bought brands uh General cigar which is Scandinavic, you know they, they bought cao and uh and these are these are all great companies but there's something but they they still they have stockholders many of them are publicly traded and uh when you have a family business you don't have you have you don't have that type of it's it's not like you're a publicly traded company you don't have you can make long-term decisions versus you don't don't have to please the stockholders and uh uh, during the cigar boom in 19 um, 1992 uh, many of our competitors and everyone in the industry are we're all it's a very close-knit industry we all compete fiercely uh, on the streets but uh, when it comes to especially with uh, uh, our, our battle our 12-year battle with the FDA, uh, we've gotten to know our, uh, all of us work together walk the halls of Congress calling on US congressmen and senators and to try to get this this awful regulation off off the back off, uh, off of our uh, uh, out of our life. Let me you know once I got a call from Nicaragua. I'm gonna. no yeah, oh, of course, yeah. Go right ahead. Yep. Okay. No, that's right. I just told him I'd call him back. It was our plant manager. He's just returning my call.
0: Uh, okay. From,
3: from, from this afternoon. So, as you know, the, all these family businesses, uh, uh, they they each so they do their own thing, but uh, uh, it's because they're they don't have. They're not publicly traded they don't have or, or, or like Scandinavian tobacco is been in the same family they're out based out of denmark but the our family these these smaller family companies uh like ourselves have uh we can make long-term decisions um and uh the, the you cannot buy aged tobacco you have to buy the tobacco and age it yourself of course, the yeah. longer you age tobacco, it's it's like bourbon or scotch. The longer you age it, the smoother it gets. And I'm smoking a cigar that uh, the Yaguá Connecticut broadleaf. This, this tobacco is three years old. Uh, the filler is four years old or more, and very very smooth. Um, we we learned a great deal from our my brother Carlos Fuente Jr. and Carlos Fuente Senior. May he rest in peace. And I would my parents. Uh, as, I think you know, that uh, Aturo Fuente they make all of our Dominican cigars, which are uh, the Diamond Crown, Diamond Crown mm-hmm. Classic, the Connecticut Shade, the Maximus, the Julius Caesar, the Black Diamond, La Unica, Questore, and our family. Uh, we have a uh, we sell the all the Aturo Fuente to brick and mortar across the United States, and uh, it's been a wonderful ride. We've been their partner, uh, we've been partners with the Fuente family since 1986. So that's what. 30 let's see 35 years 35 35 years yes yeah and uh we we had a leveraged buyout in on february 14th 1986 my father stanford my brother eric and i bought all 14 of our relatives out there's a whole chapter in the the book cigar yeah
0: yeah i remember reading that and that's an that's an interesting um That's an interesting story because when you these were all family members, but uh, at the time, uh, from from what I gathered from the story, it there were basically you know there there were a small number of family members who really wanted to continue putting their hearts and souls into the cigar business, and then there were some family members who, not wishing them ill will by any stretch, but they just were not as invested personally in, in the cigar business, uh, right. so they were willing to, uh, willing to sell their shares to, um, you know, to, to, like you said, to your father and, and you and your brother. And, and that really seemed to come at a, at a, the same kind of time that you developed this great relationship with the Fuente family. Right. Uh, and w- which has become, like you said, 35 years, that relationship is widely known even by even by i'll say casual cigar consumers people know about the relationship between the newmans and the fuentes it's 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 widely known as as maybe the most strong family relationship in in the cigar business so tell us about you know back when things started happening with the fuente family um you know what what has that been like developing that relationship over these years?
3: Oh, it's, it's been a wonderful ride. If my father said this, and, and I will say it, we've said it in public many times if I was down to my last dollar, I'd give the Fuente family 51 cents.
1: It's hmm.
3: type of relationship. But what happened after we had our, our leverage buyout in 1986, and two weeks after that, and again, there's a whole chapter of this in, in the book Cigar Family, uh, Carlos Fuente Sr who was, we had a factory, and, and Carlito and Cynthia Fuente, they had a factory about six blocks into Ybor City, uh, which is the, uh, the cigar uh, manufacturing area. Uh, goes back to, to 1885 when Martinez Ybor bought the entire cigar industry from Key West to Tampa. And there were, uh, uh, Martinez Ybor, he, was instrumental in bringing this, uh, the industry from Key West in 1885. And then 1886, uh, there were between 150 and 200 cigar factories were built. If you can imagine that between 1886 and 1910, our factory, which is called El Relo because mm-hmm. El Relo means the clock. Um, we have the, uh, the tallest, uh, uh, clock tower in the, in the city. And um, the people would go to bed. People would would wake up. Uh, they, if it's a Saturday, they would hear the the the, uh, the, the bell go off uh, every every hour, and uh, uh, you could hear it all over Ebor City. So, um, but going back to our leverage buyout, uh, back in the, two weeks after leverage buyout, Carlos Fuente a senior came to us, and he said he wanted to close his he wanted to quit making cigars in his Tampa factory and ask us if we would make his cigars. And the brand was called Moya M O Y A, and it was a bundle brand. We still make it; to, we make them every day. And um, so we said, uh, we, we, "We'll do this uh, for the." It was, it, was, it was three million cigars, which was a lot for us at the time. And my father said, "We'll do this, but we'd like to." get back into the hand cigar making business. And the only person my father trusted and he knew Carlos Fuentes since he met him in 1954, my father had a great feeling about, uh, about the Fuente family. And I think everyone knows their history. The Fuentes, they, they yeah. had moved to Nicaragua or burned out by the Sandinistas in the mid seventies and no insurance lost everything that they went to Honduras and they had electrical fire and they lost everything again no insurance and carlos fuente senior who was running the factory at the time in nicaragua came back to tampa in 1980 and uh, he started a brand new venture in the Dominican republic and six years later we became uh their their business partners um but my father said look we'll we'll make these cigars the moya brand but we'd like to get back in the hand cigar making business and my father was he gave the Fuentes a test. He didn't want to give him the Questaray brand. He said, let's, we had an old brand called La Unica, which means, in, in English means the one and only. And um, so my dad, very clever. Uh, at the time, bundles were not like they, not big sellers like they are today. But uh, all the bundles back then, back in the 80s, mid 80s, they were cigars that were, had either a a blemish on the wrapper that they had a hole and it had been patched and they were known, they were basically seconds. My dad's idea was to come out with a brand, the La Unica called Dominican Primero's, which means Dominican first. And we, this again, this is before the internet, before they had cell phones, we were able to leverage the story about, Hey, Hey, uh, American cigar consumer, uh, try the La Unica and, uh, it was Connecticut. Carlos Fuente Sr. picked out the, the four sizes, the four original sizes. And he said, and at the time, Connecticut Shade, like it is today, the Connecticut wrapper first, and the, the Connecticut Seed grown in Ecuador, uh, those were some of the most popular wrappers. So we came out with the La Unica, Connecticut Shade, and then we had the Maduro version which was Connecticut Broadleaf. And the thing took off. And uh, by this was eight, 1986, by 1988, my father, uh, we were giving dad said, Dad, we gotta quit making Quest array in Tampa on these old nineteen thirty hand operated machines. Let's Carlos Fuente Sr. and Junior said, Hey, we can make these cigars for you. And uh so again, this is this was six years before this well, nineteen eighty eight was four years before the cigar boom. And so we, we came out with Quest array and um talk about a marketing everyone knew quest array it was a number back in the uh when, when my father bought the quest array brand uh when grandpa jc died in 1958 1959 my dad bought the brand our father bought stanford bought quest array from the quest of families it was ancient carl quest they had daughters who were not interested in the business the industry was basically flat or going down and uh uh, we didn't have a, a pot to pee in financially. So My, my dad was again, a very smart man, clever, a wonderful human being. And I said, Dad, how, how how did you pay for it? And it's not in the book, but what he did is that he told the Questa family, um, we will pay you out over five years. It's like $3 million, which is a lot of money back then, back mm-hmm. in the, the late 50s. And he said, we'll pay you. per thousand cigars. And, uh, also the quest brand. They had something that we didn't, our our brands at the time were Rigoletto and student Prince, and it was very strong in the Midwest. We're from Cleveland. Uh, it was strong in the Midwest, but quest had distributors coast to coast, this was before the, they had the, the the traditional tobacconist. And most of the cigars were sold through distributors. And overnight, we, we ended up with distributors, over 200 distributors coast to coast. And uh, so we, were, we were able to uh, take the a brand. At the time, this is interesting, we bought it. It was made with, it was called a clear Havana cigar. The wrapper, mm. binder, pillar filler was uh, all Cuban. And again, yeah. at the time, there are 10 large factories uh, Going strong in Tampa making over 500 million 500 million cigars if you can imagine that Tampa made more cigars than any, any place else in the world And one of the reasons Grandpa jc moved us to tampa was tampa was like what wine is to napa valley or Cars used to be to detroit because before they had we had before we had imported cars uh, uh, Tampa was like what what mickey mouse is to is to disney and yeah. uh, so uh we came in as as the, the last of the uh, last cigar manufacturer uh, from that era and what happened here we are 1959 we got quest and um, early 1962 john f kennedy put it put in an embargo on everything on, on cuban tobacco anything coming from cuba rum sugar you name it any commodity and it broke the back of the tampa cigar industry and all that was left so what happened companies like garcia vega which is now a uh called a drugstore cigar or convenience yeah. store, but they, they at one time it was a fine handmade cigar and right. uh, they moved to philadelphia and they end up merging with phillies who end up merging with Habitampa, tampa and um the uh um, that noise you heard is one of our dogs in the background and, anyway <laughs> uh all right coffee right here coffee
1: (laughs)
0: we we love when dogs make guest appearances on the show
3: oh my god and she's from (laughs) southeastern guide dogs which is a i'll I'll tell you that story too in in, in, uh, event in this in this hour and 20 minutes so um we um we we got with with our, our going back to our leverage buyout so we started in 1986 and uh with la unica it took off 1988 we got cuesta ray we went from a, a, a uh made on a hand operated long filler cigar machines to uh, uh to hand completely handmade by the fuente family people love cuesta ray, but they wanted them handmade and uh we didn't have a hand cigar making factory and uh and we started uh Toro fuente they, they did not have any sales they had brokers we had a large sales force great sales force at the time we had 40 salesmen when, when we bought quest and, um, uh, but we were, we, we, didn't have enough to sell. And here comes, uh, uh, the first year we started with Arturo Fuente. We opened, and I still have the, the record of everyone. We opened up 501 new accounts that Fuente wow. had never been into. And I remember having, we used to have uh, monthly lunches with the Fuentes is usually with Carlos Fuentes senior and, uh, and junior, but every, every couple months. And, uh, it, it was a, a truly a marriage made in heaven because two, it was, there's a lot of synergies where two plus two equal five. And, uh, so it's, it's been a wonderful ride. Uh, they yeah. made us better. And I think, I have to think we made them better as well. It's been a, a, oh, a yeah. relationship.
0: Absolutely. And it's so funny to hear you say that, to talk about that year that, that along with, you know, your partnership, that, that suddenly Fuente had 501 new accounts. And it's funny to hear that because it sounds, in, in today's world, in 2021, when when cigar smokers hear the, the brand name of, of Arturo Fuente, when cigar smokers hear brand names like Brickhouse and Diamond Crown and, and names like that, you're hard-pressed to find a cigar shop anywhere in the United States that doesn't have arturo fuente cigars on the shelf that doesn't have brick house on the shelf that doesn't have diamond crown on the shelf it's it's Mm -hmm. and and it's just it's it's funny to listen back to the stories from just those few years that that decade before the cigar boom hit to think about the fuente being an up-and-coming growing new family brand you know which they were not new at all they've been Carlos Fuente Sr. had been making cigars for, for, for decades. And then, you know, his father before him and his father before it was, it's just amazing to hear, hear about that. Um, I, I also, Oh, Garrett's got something. I do. Yeah. Uh,
2: So Bobby, if you could tell us about 1986 to 1988 was this, you know, a lot of moving parts uh, within JC Newman at that time, what was your role? What did you do and what did you observe during that time?
3: i tell you, uh, this is my 17th, um, podcast because I did that's especially last year. It's all we did were podcasts because people couldn't leave. And I, <laughs> I, 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 obviously we're, uh, Matt and Garrett, you both are good talkers and we're all good. There's a lot of good talkers in our industry and it's all, it's, it's, it's full of stories, but no, my role at the company, um, was was a sales manager. I ran the sales, and okay. um, uh, it was uh, it was it was invigorating. It was tough. The cigar industry was. People have short memories. Listen, a lot of people forgot about nine eleven, and mm. uh, the. But at the time, the industry was going down. There were, there were just under a hundred million cigars being imported in the United States. And of course, it, uh, during the cigar boom, it went up to over five hundred million. In 1997, it, it, when uh, when when the supply and demand curve crossed, that's when uh, people couldn't get enough cigars. And then, and then when uh, the the demand took a little dip, and that's when the number of imports went down to 300 million almost overnight. But again, we went from 100 million to 300 million. That was left. Today, it's about 330 million uh, cigars, and it's uh, mm. we. We've been under, uh, uh, we've been battling the FDA as an industry, and very proud of the job that our family has done, along with the Fuentes and others. We feel like we were at the tip of the, we've been at the tip of the spear in this 12-year battle. Uh, when, when President Obama came in, the first bill he passed in 2009 was called the Family Tobacco Prevention Act. It was to regulate uh, cigarettes, roll-your-own, and smokeless tobacco. And uh, I know this is a public forum, but if you smoke cigarettes, uh, uh, they're highly addicting. And uh, it's not a question uh, if you'll get lung cancer, it's when, it's when you'll get lung cancer. And um, the, as, as I think you know, the uh, FDA came out in 2017. They reported in, in the New England Journal of Medicine, which is arguably the most prestigious uh, Cigar uh, uh, medical journal in the world, they came out the FDA with this and drew my nephew who's 39 years old. He's the fourth generation. Just Eric and me, my brother and me, and we have a fourth generation and coming. They're in now, Uh, but he found he found he found he was the only one in the industry. He found the article, and in that article, it also talked about how the the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, uh, again 2017. The Center for Disease Control said that the, they conclude the average American cigar smoker smokes one point seven uh, handmade cigars a month and it will not affect mortality. So we took that information. We went to see Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who was one of the, the FDA commissioners under the Trump uh, regime. We went to yeah. see him and he, he, he was very pro cigar, but there are people at the FDA that uh, uh, they don't want to have any tobacco, as we all know. And, uh, we've been, again, fighting this, we've had lawsuits, against the FDA, we we've won three of them. And, uh, so we, we spend more time uh, fighting the FDA sometimes and selling our own cigars. But, uh, yeah, we're still, still bullish getting this, 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 uh, app, getting this 500, this 800 pound grill off our backs because everyone in the industry, uh, we, we, we're regulated like cigarettes and, uh, we, we're paying user fees. Our little company, we're paying about $3,500 a day in user fees. And it's over a million dollars a year. We're not wham, wham, wham. But, but uh, and we can live with the user fees, but uh, the substantial equivalent is uh, uh, very challenging. And what that is, yeah. is that the FDA said any cigar, if you come out of the new cigar, it has to be equivalent size and shape uh, to what. What you, Mr. Manufacturer, had in two in two thousand and seven, uh, and so that's been a, 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 a heck of a challenge. And uh, again, we are again. This is a twelve-year story told in a couple minutes, and we're still still fighting.
0: Yeah, and it's an important fight. And 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 companies like J.C. Newman, companies like Fuente, and and so many others that have put time and resources and effort uh, into the regulatory fight you know it's important for all us all, all of us as cigar smokers. We've talked about it so many times on the show that we encourage people to get involved with their uh, and we even had a local Minnesota uh, uh, member of the House of Representatives uh, along with some PCA uh, people on the show a few weeks ago and talked about that and it's really important for us to get involved with that uh, as, as cigar consumers and even non cigar consumers, just, just so that the lawmakers are constantly made aware and reminded over and over again until they can't, they can't possibly forget the fact that, that these products are completely different than cigarettes, uh, and they need to be regarded in a different way. Um, but I, I actually did want to talk about also the fact that right now, Garrett, Garrett and I are smoking the new size
3: Uh the, America. the American,
0: the new Ooh. Double Robusto. I uh, hope you're enjoying that, you
1: so uh, Matt and Garrett. Yeah, very,
0: very much. Um, and it's, that's one of those cigars that we've talked about it before, but it's such a fun story and it's such an interesting story because... When, when we talk about cigars and the United States, you know, e- even even with, you know, your grandfather starting starting out, you know, in, in 1895. And th- one of the most interesting things I've found over the years is learning about how pretty much every town in the United States, when you go back to the late 1800s and before, even into, you know, the 1920s and 30s, Every town in America had a cigar factory. Correct. At one point uh, I think it said at the time Julius Caesar Newman started rolling cigars in Cleveland. There were 40,000 registered officially registered cigar factories in the United States. 40,000 registered cigar factories in the United States and 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 now there are what? 2 3 yeah.
3: yeah yeah yeah, about that yes um and the reason we know this that uh that that there were that many cigar manufacturers is because uh in 1863 abraham lincoln had an idea that the north was going bankrupt fighting the south in the civil war so he came up with he was the first president to come with an idea hey let's put an excise tax on a commodity that it happens to be 80% of American males use, called cigars. And it took them five years to get it. It was 1868, so a little history. The first excise tax was put on cigars. It was one penny for every box of 50 cigars. You had to go to the post office and you buy the the tax stamps. So back then, a lot of the boxes were 100, 200 count. And so if it was a 200 count box, you'd buy, you'd spend 4 cents. You, you go to the post office and you glue these stamps at the bottom of your boxes. You can you can you can buy these stamps on eBay, and uh, with the boxes. And uh, so that 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 is a, that's the reason why we know so that there's a whole. This is all trans transparent conversation, obviously. And uh, so that's why we know that there were that many manufacturers. Um, yeah. so the J.C. started in 1895, there there were over 300 cigar manufacturers in Cleveland, mm. and by 1953 we were the last one and grandpa gc was so he said we we got to get to tampa tampa this is we're going to stay in the cigar business first of all we were making nickel cigars back then and uh and our our expensive ones were 10 cents and the real expensive ones were 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 for two for 25 cents and uh so that's what uh uh that's how we ended up in in tampa and it's uh
0: um. And this project here, the the American, um, it, it's it's so unique in today's market because it's it it's literally everything. I mean, everything. You see, every leaf of tobacco is from the United States. It's they're they're rolled in the United States. The bands are m- made and printed in the United States. The boxes right. are made in the United. Every everything. And that's such a unique project in today's market. Uh, tell us what were the what were the challenges of of putting a product like this to market, and um, what, how has the response been? Because it's been a couple of years on the market now, so how, how's the response been?
3: It's it's been overwhelming. We uh, uh, it was Eric's son, my brother. Uh, Drew Drew's idea was uh, Drew is an attorney. He went to uh, American Law School. He went to Williams College up in north Northwestern of Massachusetts. And uh, when Drew got out of law school, he went to work for one of the 13 commissioners of the District of Columbia, and Drew became a regulator, and which has been a great help to us. He's, he's now on the board of Cigar, Family, of, uh, Cigar Rights of America. But uh, he had an idea. Uh, he told us, he said, I want to do a massive, I want to renovate the factory, El Relo, we have in Tampa, it's 110,000 square feet. And I want to open this renovation. Let's open the factory. Let's, we had a, a small museum. So let's, let's have a three-story museum in the front of the factory, from the basement all the way. Actually, it's really four stories. Let's put a movie theater in there so people can come and visit and read about the hit or, or watch videos. We have uh, like 23 videos on two movie screens And uh, to hear so we can educate people that come to Tampa about the history of cigars in Ybor City, uh, how the industry was started. Talks a lot about the Fuente family, our relationship with them. They've been around since 1912. Um, And then Drew said, I want to start making handmade cigars in our factory in Tampa. And his father said, that's the worst idea I ever heard. Because (laughs) labor, Labor in the United States is eight times what it is in Nicaragua, but he said, yeah. "If you want to do that, if you want to spend your inheritance, we'll do it," and we did. And uh, so we we had this massive restoration, and uh, uh, kind of build it, and they will come like field of dreams. And we're so we we opened the uh, the factory uh, in uh, uh, the, the the renovated cigar factory at worst time in the world. It was last year during right in COVID. And very, there, there was no one, uh, everyone knows about COVID, what people were afraid to come. And now we're, we're seeing 100, 100, visitor, 100 visitors, 100 visitors a day. So we build out the museum and um, we, uh, uh, we turned the factory and we're making 65,000 cigars a day on these hand operated machines, American Machine and Foundry. These machines were built in 1931. People, can't, people think they're replicas. And we put a hand cigar making factory in the third floor So Drew said His idea was the American, the first factory out of the El Relo factory in 1910 was called the American. So Drew, Drew did his, his homework. And he also taught us something. Oh, 10 years ago. I, I didn't pay much attention. My sons are 23 and 27 and um, he told us all about the millennials. He was, and Drew was living at the time (laughs) in New York city where, and, He's, he's moving to Tampa. He bought a house in Tampa, but got married. He's got a little boy named William Stanford Newman. But Drew's idea was, we're good, let's make a cigar, third floor. Actually, I keep saying uh, all the factories in Tampa either had three or four floors. So only basements that we know of in the state of Florida are in these old cigar factories. And mm. again, this, the factory we're in is the last working cigar factory in the United States. And uh, you're crazy to make handmade cigars in uh in the united states but uh drew's idea let's i'm gonna come out let's the american will be the first uh, first cigar made in maybe ever in america with 100 percent american grown tobacco the wrapper and I, I i was i didn't know that jeff he had the relationship with jeff Borschewitz. he oh, also yeah. is all brother so we buy all of Jeff. we couldn't have done this without jeff Borschewitz because we use the florida sun grown we buy his entire crop bring it to, to our factory pensa it stands for Puros de Esteli Incorporated, and um, uh, that's that's English translation for PENSA, Puros de Esteli SA, which means Incorporated. Yeah. So the wrapper, the, the Florida Sun Grown, the Binders, Connecticut Broadleaf. The bi- the biggest challenge, though, was no one was growing filler, long filler, tobacco. So we went to the Amish, and uh, which was ironic because, as you know, the Amish, they don't drink, they don't smoke. They, they don't use electricity. Uh, they don't use tractors. They, they, they use, uh, uh, they use horses or mules to pull the plows. And mm-hmm. you go to there, the, when you, as an American, when you go to, to see their operation, the, the, uh, the, the Amish and the Mennonites, it's like stepping back 200 years. You cannot believe it. If you yeah. drive through there in Pennsylvania and they're part, they're spread out in Ohio as well. Uh, it, um, you drive through at night, uh, you think there's been a like a power outage, like a hurricane went through. because <laughs> all, all the farmhouses are, are they're, they're all dark, they're all black. There's there's no electricity. Yeah. And so the challenge. So we had the uh, the Amish grow a crop, and uh, we aged it. And the tobacco was too thick; it wouldn't burn right. So we we switched to the Mennonites, and they they grew a, a little a different a little different seed. It, it, the tobacco was thinner; it burned perfectly. And you were talking about uh, Matt about the components of the whole product. Uh, not only is it 100% grown, grown American tobacco boxes, the bands, the labels, as you said, the ink, uh, the the nails that go into the box. Everything is made in America. And uh, this was before this was Drew's idea, even before uh, before Trump even got into office. And uh, and so we make we we have uh, three hand cigar makers. We're going to add another five. So we, we only make 300 Americans per day, and that's for the world. So we've got about uh, maybe 80, 80, uh, 80 tobacconists, and it's sold because um, it's so, so oversold. We have to sell yeah. it on an allocated basis.
0: Yeah. it's It's really the—not only is it the most unique project that I've seen from the cigar business in a decade, I'd say— it's i encourage every cigar smoker to if you have not tried the american yet to go out and and smoke it because it is it is it's unlike anything else you'll smoke it really does have very unique flavor and aroma properties that that you don't get from other cigars there's this interesting kind of earthy quality to the aroma but it's it's also
1: there's a sweetness there's a
0: sweetness to right. it also and it's it, and it's available in sizes that most american cigar consumers oh. are are really uh, excited about you know especially this new double robusto this is this is a size that that american cigar consumers are are absolutely loving right now and i think it's a great project i think it's a great way to to not only give people a really unique cigar to smoke I think it's also a way to give people a uh, sort of a portal to uh, a history lesson because by smoking this cigar they can they can go on jcnewman.com. they can learn the story about it they can learn the story about uh, you know the, the whole company going all the way back to 1895 and that's one of the coolest parts about about the premium cigar business is the history. And you know for people to be able to um, you know smoke this cigar that that literally gives them an opportunity to take a walk back through history. Um, and we've talked about this on the show before. We encourage people whenever they're smoking a cigar, guys, when you go out and you pick up one of these Americans and you smoke it, take the time to go on your phone or on your computer and go learn about the company that made it. And that goes for any cigar in your humidor, any cigar that you pick up from a shop. Take, it, it it doesn't take any effort at all. Take two minutes while you're smoking that cigar and go on the website and learn about the company that made it. Because there's always gonna be a great story behind it. And we'll become better, better members of the cigar consumer community if we do that, you know?
2: Yeah, and if yeah. you can't find uh, it, tune into How About That Cigar? and uh
3: chances are we've talked to that company
0: yeah yeah absolutely
3: and 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 matt and Garrett, kudos to you and the great irony we export to 82 countries and we have a a bonded warehouse uh, in europe uh so we can instead of instead of our importers waiting six eight twelve weeks to get a direct shipment from the dominican or from pensa nicaragua so now when someone wants uh if they want five boxes (laughs) <laughs> they just uh, email <coughs> excuse me or contact our uh, our our bond warehouse I, actually they just they send us the orders in tampa and we send the orders to uh to uh uh our bond warehouse in nicaragua and uh we can ship it we ship it within 24 hours so we can turn that merchandise and that that's that's has helped enormously we have um uh I, I, I I, didn't, I was getting ready to tell you the story too. every uh, Our VP of sales and marketing, Crystal Lastra and our export administrator, uh, Billy uh, McGirt, a young woman we have uh, uh, during COVID, we started because we, we couldn't travel. So we started we started meeting by no one ever heard of Zoom. Uh, yeah. uh, we have Zoom calls every quarter with our top ten importers. And it's in, what's interesting I've been going to Europe personally since 1970. Uh, what saved our company after the Cuban embargo was, uh, my father was the first American to bring Cameroon tobacco into the United States. Mm. And I think it saved the Fuente family too. No one ever heard of Cam. Let me tell you, uh, dad brought it in the, the country, 1965. No one could, no one had ever heard of Cameroon Africa. No one could spell it, pronounce it, had no idea where it was. And it, it really uh, again we read it because all the Tampa cigar manufacturers, everyone had a two to two and a half year supply of Cuban tobacco. The embargo was in sixty two, so by nineteen sixty five, everyone was out. We still have one bale of tobacco, uh, of Cuban tobacco long filler from the Pinor nineteen fifty eight Pinor del Rio. And when you guys come down, we'll show you the uh, uh the bale and it wow. is wow it is precious. Yeah. And, um the, the reason my father saved one bale, Garcia Vega was a, a premium cigar maker, and they in Tampa before they moved out to Philadelphia, and they used to advertise. Yes, we have, we still have Havana. So people used to ask my father, Stanford, do you have any Cuban tobacco left? He said, Sure, of course we do. And uh, uh, so we, we're still sitting on that on that bale of tobacco.
0: <laughs> nice. I love that. That's. That's very cool. Um, so, you know, we we know we, we talked about the Yagua project, and and we've also Garrett and I have these brickhouse cigars, um, you know, with us as well. It's 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 kind of a, a a regular, but there are you know there are so many brands, you know, whether it's the Dominican made, whether it's the ones, you know, made made here in the states. What is the, what is the one that you just in your everyday uh, cigar enjoyment, is there one that you would say right now at least you're reaching for more than any other JC Newman cigar?
3: Absolutely. And, and before I answer, I'll just tell you a 30 second story. The first cigar dinner I ever did in my life was with Carlos Fuente in 1988. Mm. And we did it in Sarasota. There were about 50 people down in Sarasota. And somebody asked uh, Carlito, he said, uh, Mr. Fuente, what's your favorite cigar? Carlito thought about it and he gave the best answer I ever heard. He said, how can you choose among your children? Yeah. And, uh, but since you asked it, no, my, 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 my favorite cigar that, that we make, and I, I obviously love them all. They have different nuances, but the, the, the diamond crown, Julius Caesar is my favorite. And, yeah. uh, it's just, uh, it's a, uh, everything in there is that all the tobacco has been aged at least five years. And, uh, it is, uh, our diamond crown business is up over 50% in units. And you come down, we, we, we are out of every single size of Julius diamond crown, Julius Caesar, we're out of most of the diamond crown. And when I go out, I, I can, I have it. I used to travel 40, 40 weeks a year for 40 years up until COVID and um, and now I'm starting to get out again, uh, and tr- starting to travel, uh, as well. And, uh, it's, uh, because COVID, uh, was the worst thing that happened to the United States and the, and the world, but COVID, uh, there've been winners and losers in COVID and everyone knows this is list, you know, was listening to this podcast and, uh, the, cause people are staying home. They're smoking more and they're drinking more. So the alcohol, the whiskey business, uh, has been, and the premium cigar business has been a, yeah, huge, yeah. huge. Cheers. And, uh, yeah, amen. Hey, <laughs> Let me give you a, a toast. Here we You're go. Here.
0: Cheers. Yeah. The consumables, like you said, cigars, uh, alcohol, um, Consumption has gone up a lot, uh, and I know so many people, myself included, Garrett included, that you know we went from two cigars a day to five cigars a day, six, seven cigars oh, a day, yeah. uh, and and pretty much everybody we know is in the same,
3: yeah.
0: is in that same boat.
3: Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. This, this, I think,
0: I think this is number five for me today. So it's it's just. The way it is, you know.
2: And uh, well, I, yes, sir. You no, know, I, I was just gonna. I was gonna move on with a, a question here, wondering if you could tell us about the origins of in your history with the Toast Across America.
0: Oh yeah,
3: absolutely. We we have two very powerful foundations uh, that are changing the world. Uh, eric my brother and carlito his when when dad was alive uh the father and brother would go down to the dominican about uh every other month and uh around 2000 2001 my father uh my brother eric and carlito uh were at chateau de la fuente and they saw in in the stream running through there they saw these children seven eight years old 11 o'clock in the morning playing in the stream uh barefoot all of them had distended bellies and because the water was bad and they had one school there it looked like little house on the prairie and they would put all the first through the sixth graders in and there's a there was a uh, one light bulb hanging from this on, on a wire they, they put all the first through sixth grader. they learned nothing and uh so the first thing uh, my brother and carlito realized we gotta we have to take care of the people. So we, my brother and I, and my dad are, are Rotarians and, uh, so we were able to get a lot of money in Rotary grants from Rotary International. And we drilled deep water wells around, uh, around Banal where Chateau de la Fuente is very, very poor area. It's between Santo Domingo and Santiago. And, uh, uh, we built our own school and we, we bought 22 acres and, uh, you know, America people in America, most most Americans, majority appreciate the United States, but we bought the property. We didn't know it was a flood zone, and uh, until we until we signed on it and we we getting ready to build, and there were there were floods uh, every time it rained. So we had a we had a we spent two hundred thousand dollars. We had to put in French drains, so when the water when it would rain, uh, if you know what a French drain is pipe has a hole and so forth. So that that was our first challenge. So in 2003, 2004, we opened up the the school. It was kindergarten through eighth grade. Life was great. Uh, We we paid for it. Uh, And this is before Toast Across America. And uh, a month after uh, we opened the school, uh, Carlos Fuente, uh, Carlito, he called my brother he Said, we, eric we have a problem eric said, how can we have with the school how can we have a problem uh the kids there they get they get uh, two hot meals a day they get a uniform they get new shoe brand new shoes a lot of them didn't even own shoes uh the, the area was so poor they didn't have a. the people down there couldn't even afford outhouses and the dominican people are such wonderful happy people you, you couldn't believe and most americans have been to developing countries. Even if you go to Mexico, you go out to the hinterlands, and you'll see a lot of uh, very, very poor people. So, And, and the homes around surrounding uh, Banal, uh, they have so much pride, you see women sweeping the, the floor, the floors were dirt floors, they're using a palm from. And uh, our goal was to break the chains of poverty, educate these kids. And uh, so Carlito calls my brother, uh a month after we opened and said got a problem what the problem was that the eighth graders were complaining they had no place to go so eric and carlito uh they borrowed a million dollars from the bank of tampa and we built a high school and uh uh so the eighth graders would have some place to go and through uh through connections with different foundations across america uh and uh, other friends of ours in tampa uh corporations, uh, the Outback folks, very, very generous. They built us a kitchen. Uh, Outback Steakhouse was started in Tampa. And we were able to gather enough funds to build a, uh, a medical clinic in uh, at, at, uh, at Cigar Family. And until we got there, no one had ever seen a toothbrush. We now have two dentists coming in three days a week. And if you believe in the Bible, things go in cycles. And there was a little eight-year-old boy when we started. He is now our medical director uh, at, at Cigar Family. And uh, you, you do when you do things for the right reasons, uh, you, you can do a lot of great things. And yeah. uh, so we had this, this beautiful medical clinic. And uh, uh, we have, uh, through connections, we sent down toothbrushes. I mean, we sent down 10,000 toothbrushes uh as soon as we got dentists in there and, and so they could teach people how to use a toothbrush if you can imagine that and here yeah. we are 2021 and uh uh carlos fuente very humble uh incredible he's, he's a cross between elon musk and thomas edison uh, <laughs> a company called louis vuitton moe hennessy everyone's heard of lvmh so they yeah they bought, What two years ago they bought uh, tiffany's Anyway, they have a watch company, and that I had never heard of. And they their watches are uh, they sell for around thirty thousand dollars. And if my wife bought that, I would kill her. And uh, <laughs> they, they they came to Carlito and said, "Look, we want to uh, come out with a limited line of watches, and uh, with the FFOX name, and we'll give you royalty." So Carlito thought about it, and he said, "Okay, I'll do that, but I want all the money to come to the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation." So we end up with about four hundred thousand dollars, and uh, we built a uh, like a uh, a tech school, and we just we just graduate our first class class of nurses. There are no nursing schools within fifty miles, hundred miles radius, and uh, uh, because we had these these extra extra funds, so in the meantime. It, it takes it it costs us $850,000 to keep the school going it's around 462 to 478 uh, from pre from from uh from preschool to 12th grade so um i know it's a long a long long answer about the toast across america but uh, we came up with uh-huh. the idea let's come out with a uh, uh, we need this money. How are we going to get it? We can't depend on foundations and, and private donors. Although we have a, a, a lot of cigar family members that have given them money, but, uh, we came up with the idea, let's come out with two cigars. that are not commercially available. We'll put them in like a little coffin box, sell it for $50 to the retailers and they will sell it. We'll ask them to not make any money and uh, they sell for fifty dollars, and they send us the money. So we've been selling ten to eleven thousand of these toast packs. So if you multiply ten thousand times fifty dollars, that's half a million dollars. And so we've been funding the the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation and the, sc- the school through through these this the Toast Across America. It's one of the few. Well, it's the only foundation I ever heard of. If an American gives a dollar, all one hundred cents goes to the mission. And our family right. and the family we pay the administrative costs which are attorneys uh, the, the marketing and the accounting and yeah. uh, it's it's uh it's been a, we, we've ra- we've raised over 24 million dollars and uh it's it's, it's all going back into the school the uh uh Carlito's dream was he's very close to arturo sandoval who is the uh who's won several grammys he came from they've made a movie about him keep, yeah. keep up with nothing like everyone else after the embargo and uh, so we're, we're now we're just breaking ground now on a, for a music school and uh so we, we want to give these children an opportunity you know in america we have such great opportunities if you want to work the, the, you can you, you can be very successful in america and but they're not opportunities in these developing or third world countries and yeah we, it's been an incredible ride and uh, uh, you know, success begets success. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, the the if you look at our nine ninety and everybody, if you have a, a there's millions of nonprofits in America. And uh, again, we're the only one I know of that where where again, hundred percent of your contribution goes goes right back to the to the mission.
0: Well, and it's it's something that we have we haven't talked about it extensively on the show but but we do say um, uh, we have said a couple times anytime you're at a cigar shop and you see that they have those toast across america packs on the shelf buy one of those because not only are you going to get two phenomenal cigars you're going to be giving uh, you're going to be giving somebody a chance and it, it's like carlito said when carlito was on our show and he said it's not about the cigars it's about the people
3: absolutely and that that company that watch company, is called Hublot. and yeah I, I had never heard of it and uh so they say home by louis Vuitton, have been very very generous and this and this continues they keep uh, been very successful um with the limit of re- uh, putting the the ffox name on these watches and uh uh, so we we keep getting monies for it and it's it's it helps subsidize the uh uh the, the our budget at cigar family
1: yeah
2: well and i want to thank you you know we want to thank you yes for um giving and uh that foundation i know means the world to so many young people uh that we can't even imagine you know the the conditions that that they grow up with, and and you're making that um, just infinitely better. And so, yeah, I, I echo what Matt says. Anybody watching or listening that sees that Toast Across America pack and think $50 for two cigars, number one, those are exclusive sizes in the Opus X and Julius Caesar, and they are fantastic cigars. Not only that, but all $50 goes to um really helping uh, a, an amazing cause so yeah
3: well it's 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 been it's it's that and the other nonprofit we, that we that I'll tell you about in a minute it's been the most rewarding uh ride it's been so rewarding to see these kids again uh, to see our this this eight-year-old little boy uh who's now his name is Nelson and um, who's now, uh running he's our medical director and uh, so we serve not only to the students and the staff but then uh but we also we serve the whole community of, of 5,000 people and uh it's uh again it's it's been so rewarding to see these people get getting up on their feet we started a program uh there there are no uh not like these developing countries um it's they have socialized medicine down there, which, which uh, you, you could wait years to, uh, to get a surgery for just for a simple knee surgery. Uh, and uh, so we had uh, one of the, uh, where my kids went to, to local prep school here in Tampa, uh, one of the mothers uh, had, was doing a program of, she was going to Africa uh, every year to, to make eyeglasses. So she helped us get this thing started. We're now in year 12. So every, every February we, we go down with uh, a volunteer ophthalmologist, optometrists. We, we bring 2,000 pairs of, of, of uh, distance glasses, different strengths, mm-hmm. reading glasses, sunglasses, eye drops. Um, and um, we. Um, the, probably my favorite story is a man came in and diabetes is, 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 is bad down there. And, uh, this, this 85 year old man came in, uh, and he had lost both of his legs because of diabetes, uh, had, and, uh, he was complaining to us. He couldn't read his Bible. And he was, hmm. so we fixed him and gave him a very, very strong glasses. What he needed. And, uh, I mean, he was, he was, he was in tears. We all were in tears. He had his, came with his Bible. And uh, I mean, that was, you talk about an aha moment, a biblical moment. Mm. And listen, that's why we do Americans are the most generous in the history of the world. Americans are the most generous people. And Tony, we've been we my first trip to, to Europe with this, my brother and I went in 1970 to the Cameroon tobacco auction and, and the Europe nowhere, nowhere outside of America, do people have the feeling of, 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 uh, to give back like, like we do as Americans. And that's that. I think that's why God has shed His grace on thee, and I hope, uh, I hope He will continue to do so, with uh, with what's happening in America. We could use His yeah. help.
0: Yeah, I and I hope that generosity continues um, from from people all over, and you know, continuing to, because there, there are a lot of people in these these areas that grow tobacco that make that have cigar factories, you know, and unfortunately these, these areas have been decimated by poverty going back long before, uh, e- even in many cases, long before cigars were even, uh, thought in some of these areas. Um, but there's also, you, you had mentioned another, uh, charitable cause. Um, and part of that is the, uh, if I'm getting the name of it right, is the, the cigar family, charitable foundation um and is that something i know that that's something fuentes are very deeply involved in is that something that the newman family is also deeply involved in
3: absolutely yeah my father my my brother eric and carlino started started that along with drew in fact the way it started uh when drew was 14 years old in the early 90s he came to to me and to uncle and to eric and uh my kids call my my, father eric uncle uncle eric but Drew in the early 90s said, Uncle Bobby, again, this is the early 90s. He said, Uncle Bobby, we need a website. I said, Drew, that's a great idea. What's a website? No one <laughs> had ever heard of a website. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so Drew's idea here he was underage. Um, I hope the, but I, I can defend it if, if we're called upon into Congress or FDA. But his idea was let's start this cigarfamily.com and let's have a chat room because there's so many people interested in talking to each other about cigars and it became the largest uh, chat room uh, where c- cigar consumers all over the world could talk to each other. And uh, it got, it got so popular that the, uh, these consumers, they they wanted to meet each other. So we, we started having uh, a conventions in Tampa and actually the, the, um, uh, we went through probably maybe, maybe 20 years of doing this and of having people come down. Then we start bringing people to the Dominican Republic. And, uh, it's, it's been a wonderful ride with, uh, with, with this, the other one, I wanted to, you saw these dogs here, uh, here, and, uh, we started a program in night. I'm on the board of Southeastern guide dogs. The only guide and service dog school in the United States in Southeastern United States. And, uh, Again, everything in my life uh, has that that has great things have happened have always been around cigars, and uh, in 2004, 17 years ago, right? Is my math right? Uh, I got a call from Central Cigar in Saint Petersburg. Uh, one of our uh, they said one of your customers he smokes Cuesta Ray and Toro Fuente. He was in a he was in a terrible uh, ied uh incident yeah. and uh and we wanted you to know that and i didn't know him his name was my corporal michael jernigan 25 year old uh uh marine he be- michael jernigan be- from st petersburg florida he became the first american serviceman to lose both eyes in the global war and terror he was riding in a humvee uh that he and his group uh, michael jernigan thank god it saved his life he was riding in the he, he was riding in the passenger seat, but he went. Happened to be in the machine gun turret, and they rolled this Humvee. Rolled over, two captured 155 millimeter howitzer shells. When
1: hmm. so
3: they rolled it, it went off and it killed the driver. And uh, Michael Jernigan, he took lost his whole forehead. It took his hmm. eyes literally off of him. He became the the first American to lose both eyes in the Global War on Terror. And uh, he is uh, he and I ended up starting a program uh, called, uh, pause for Patriots back in two, in 2006. And today it's, uh, uh, we supply to all, to veterans across some, all 50 States for free. If you want a, a, guide dog, a service dog, a gold star family dog, which, you know, a gold star family is, I think. you know. Yeah. What that means. So we, we started uh, this program and we we've given out over, over 200 to veterans, over 250 service dogs, uh, about 25 uh, Gold Star dogs and hundreds of emotional support dogs, facility dogs. We have them spread out across America. We're at Walter Reed. Uh, great story. Uh, 2008, I got a call from in, in Tampa. SOCOM, which is the United States Special Operations Command, is based out of McDale Air Force, about about five minutes south of where I'm talking to you in Tampa, in Central Command. Uh, CENTCOM, which the entire global war on terror is being fought out of five miles from our house. So uh, Special Operations SOCOM called me and said, hey, we've got a young Navy SEAL that's in dire need of a service dog. No problem. What's his name? His name was Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor from the Mm. movie, the book. Um, Yeah. And uh, so he was our first, uh, I guess, famous, if you will, uh, veteran. And he made the mistake. He said, "If you ever need anything, call me." And he, in fact, he got a great dog named Rigby. He ended up on 60 Minutes with his dog. And um, in fact, his dog just died three weeks ago. We we're going to get him a, a new dog. It takes two years and seventy thousand dollars to train these animals, and they're given away for free. And um, so we started a fundraiser in our factory called uh, Havana Nights, and. This was our first one it was in 2015. I called Marcus and asked him if he'd be our speaker. He said, "Of course." And we raised 200 and about 260 thousand dollars, and incredible speaker. He, and Marcus Latrell introduced us to Taya Kyle, Chris Kyle's widow. You, mm. You've seen wow. the movie American Sniper. Yeah. So uh, I met my wife Meredith and I met uh, uh, Taya, Chris Kyle's widow, and we got it was a big thing. We don't have enough dogs for all the veterans, much less their widows. But we made the right decision, and we got her a service dog. And she said, "If you ever need anything, call me." So she became our second speaker, and so this is how this thing has evolved. And it's uh, uh, it's uh, if you go to Walter Reed, we have three of our dogs there right now. We've got them spread out in v- VA hospitals across America, and that too has been so rewarding. And uh, we're very very proud of what has happened. Uh, so uh, we've had a, a, a fascinating run with these two nonprofits.
0: No, oh, that's great. That is. Awesome. I love it. So is it,
3: I think so. Is it time? I think
2: it's time.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for this week's Numero, Numero de los Muertos. <laughs> and as always, you know that Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by our friends at Smoke Inn. Numero de los Muertos brought to us by Smoke Inn. Garrett, what do you have for us this week?
2: All right, so for those who are new to the show, Numero de los Muertos is like a 20 questions where I give a number and it's up to our guest, Matt, and our viewers to guess how these people die. So on average, over the last 20 years, 200 people die globally from this per year per year.
0: Okay. So viewers put your guesses in the comments, Bobby and I are, we're going to guess along. We're going to basically play yes or no, 20 questions with Garrett here to try. So over the last 20 years Mm -hmm. on average, Mm -hmm. 200 people a year have died from this. Correct. Okay so now we can jump in um is it globally
2: globally
0: okay all over the world um all right are they
2: it is not drowning
0: are they disease related deaths
2: it, it is disease related oh okay so
0: <laughs> we're starting off on a good on a on a yes Um,
2: It is not COVID-19.
0: Yeah, it hasn't been around 20 years. Um,
2: (sighs) Not the flu. Not malaria. No Q.
0: Nope. (laughs) Bobby, what do you think? you have any guesses globally?
3: Before you said disease, I was going to say people uh, falling, getting out of bathtubs. But uh,
0: that would be a good one to do.
3: That would be a good one to do.
0: But that, globally. yeah, it's not. Uh, globally, it's disease related. It's
2: disease related. Um Ooh.
0: Is it a, is it a disease that most developed countries vaccinate for? No. No.
3: Is it? Let me ask you this is there a cure for the disease or that is there if you have this disease is there an easy cure nope either you survive or you don't there's uh
2: there's some treatments but there's not like a, a, a you know the golden shot it is not right. drugs it is not polo I'm, I'm, I think you mean polio. Th- I think
0: you mean polio but Right. right um it's not polio yeah because there is a vaccine for polio thank God correct um is it a bloodborne disease
2: it is not and it is not AIDS
0: it's is it a sexually transmitted disease it is not no.
2: It is not sturvy.
0: Q. You need to learn how to spell and/or type before you put comments in. No, I'm joking. I'm messing with
2: you. Or not drink while watching our show. (laughs) Um, It's not rabies.
0: Would I think that was an answer once, wasn't it? Rabies. rabies. I think rabies was on the show. We did that as one of the categories once.
3: Garrett, has it been around for uh, for centuries? It has.
0: Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, because 200 people a year is very, very low, especially globally.
3: Mm -hmm. Okay, is it is it something that cats give you if they bite you? Oh, the
2: cat scratch fever or something Um, similar something similar. It it is not. Is that having to do with animals? Um. Most of the time, yes.
3: All right. How about is it is it from bats, is it uh is people dying from bat bat uh bites? No. That's a good one
0: though.
2: That is a good one.
0: Um are these are the are the victims typically adults, children, or both?
2: Uh yeah, and it, it Doesn't does matter. Not discriminate.
0: Okay. Um.
2: Okay. First. Yeah. Clue. Let's
0: let's get a clue. Let's get a hint.
2: The last outbreak in the United States was in Los Angeles in 1928.
3: Oh my God. 1928. Th- that's before Legionnaires' disease was start- <laughs> started. God. Could you could you make it any harder? My god, Jared. <laughs> uh is,
0: is it rickets?
2: No. First uh recorded case was in the 14th century. My god.
0: And it's not scurvy.
2: It is not scurvy. Ooh. Yeah cuz It is not influenza it is not rubella these are all things that we have vaccines for so it there's no vaccine for this
0: is it uh what do they call it uh whooping cough
2: oh that's a good guess but no
0: is it a respiratory condition
2: uh no, it is not.
0: It's not a respiratory. Oh my condition.
2: gosh, I can't believe we have to give the wind to Quentin.
0: Did he get it?
2: He did.
0: Is that it? Bubonic plague.
2: It is the bubonic plague. Wow. And it, it's still around? I know. So hear it. Wow. Uh the bubonic plague is still around. It has not been wow. eradicated. Um And in fact, it's still even active in the United States. It is very rare, but it is mostly transmitted through either a rat or a rabbit who carry the disease and then flies that are feeding on the carcasses come in contact with people.
0: Wow. That's crazy.
2: Um, But globally, it still happens and there's still little outbreaks that happen throughout the
0: well, in the world, and thankfully, although we don't, you know, want any, we want the number to be zero, but two hundred, yeah, two hundred per year globally is that's a very low number. So that could be way way. That is crazy to think that that. I mean, that's like a storybook. Kind of, that's right. like a, a it's it's one of those things you hear about in you know old old movies and and so gonna, you know reading history.
2: I'm going to give you the the breakdown of my research on this. I wanted to find out how many people die as a result of of rats carrying disease and that was impossible to there's no study the cdc doesn't carry anything there's specific little diseases that rats carry that can obviously cause people to die but rats in general so uh, but that brought me to the bubonic plague is one of the things that they carry and people uh, catch in this very weird way um originally I wanted to try and find out how many people have died from asteroids.
0: Asteroids.
1: <laughs> wow.
2: There has been zero confirmed cases of people dying from asteroids or actually anything falling on people from space. There's that, been there's
0: zero recorded. Zero.
2: Wow, there's, that's that's there's amazing been, to think. I know, and there's been uh like so many near misses. NASA has this database of uh, I forgot the acronym of all of these things that fall and have hit people, have gone through people's homes, destroyed cars, but it is never there's never been a documented case of wow. anything falling from space and killing people. Well, but they estimate in in the history of the world, on average 91 people should die from something, but those are
0: Do you remember what the number was of, uh, as far as how many, uh, how many items, touched down on Earth? It's about
2: twenty a year.
0: Twenty. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah.
0: Crazy. Good times. Good times.
2: Quentin that explains a lot.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's where Quentin came from. He fell to Earth from space. Ah, yeah. Is that where he came from? Yes. 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 So that was this week's. Numero de los Muertos. Okay, it is time for the lightning round. So, Bobby, these are some completely, utterly non-cigar related questions. They are just for fun. They are just to mix things up. So, first question. If you could hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why?
3: But to me, to me, I'm on, I'm on my fourth Tesla and I I have one that gets 403 miles of charge. I was a forestry miner in college. I've always been interested in alternative energy. We have uh, our home. We have 68 Tesla solar panels and it it dropped our electric bill about 80%. And uh, I was interested in coincidentally what's going on in afghanistan and the middle east i was interested in not uh uh depending i don't i didn't think i don't think we should depend on the middle east for to get oil of course things are changing so rapidly but uh, uh so that's why i said elon musk I, okay. i'm sure i'll admit. yeah yeah we've heard really? that answer before
0: it's yeah. and yeah he's one of those genius types that you just want to
2: He's on my list. You
0: want to know what he's thinking. Um, okay. If if you were about to get into a fight, what would your soundtrack music be?
3: Oh, my God. Uh, uh, from Rocky. Yeah. yeah. Eye of the Tiger. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's a very popular answer. Definitely. Definitely a good choice. Okay. Choose one of the following. You could hit a home run as a starting pitcher, you could score a touchdown as a defensive lineman. You could score a goal in a hockey game or a soccer game as the goalie.
3: Well, since I live in Tampa, and the Tampa Bay Lightning have won back-to-back Stanley Cups. I'd have to say that I've never heard of that. I'm sure it's happened in the yeah. NHL. It's rare. It's rare, yeah. yeah 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 I'm de- definitely a, a goalie uh, no uh we have we've got the incredible goalie we have a cigar bar we have a diamond crown the only di- the only cigar lounge that we know of in the National Hockey League is in Tampa yeah uh, the Diamond Crown Cigar Lounge yeah hey I've got a when you Matt and Garrett I have one for you all maybe you can use it later too a question but I'll that, that's what uh, that's my answer
0: well, you you said you have a question.
3: Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, that this I would lo, you know uh, I would love to know what you and uh, your listeners and people watching this podcast, if you could meet any president, starting with George Washington, all the way up until our current president, who would you like to have dinner with, a cigar and a and a your favorite beverage. Oh man. And, and why?
0: Any U.S. president... Oh, man, that is a tough, tough, tough choice. And sit down and have dinner and a cigar and a drink with... Right off the top of my head, I have to go with... Thomas Jefferson. And the reason? Because he... he was one of the he's he was one of the smartest men that that lived during his time period and his intelligence and his his the mind that he had for the thought processes that he put into he, he along with the other people of his time but but specifically him, because he really was the architect of a lot of our founding documents was he was, he was almost obsessed with learning more about the nature of freedom and the, the, the nature of, of uh, freedom as it comes to, Mankind, living a free life and being a part of a free society. He 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 put so much of his time and effort into learning about that. And he put so much of what he learned into many of the founding documents, including the Declaration of Independence, uh, helping with the authoring of the Constitution and so many other writings of his uh, that uh, I, I just... I I would just want to listen to him talk about uh, the the nature of the nature of uh, of mankind wanting to live uh, as a free society. Definitely,
2: I would be the Gipper
0: Reagan. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Uh, he's up there. He's up there with me. I would definitely love um, that too.
2: And I think uh, for me, it would be uh, Reagan because. not only was he the first president that I really remember growing up, um, but he, he didn't have to go into politics. He didn't have to do so many things. And you saw the passion in which, um, he dealt with both domestic and foreign affairs. Um, and I think he changed politics in a big way, uh, in America. And, um, and his, you know, his love for country, you know, God and country was, he wore on his sleeve. Um, so that would be my first, my first guess, or my first answer.
0: What about you, Bobby? Which president would you? What's your What's your choice?
3: Probably George Washington. Mm. It's a cross between Washington and Lincoln, who both were incredible presidents, incredible people. Well, George Washington, what he did, and he would have if he would have lost the war. England, he, he was considered a traitor, he would have been hanged. Yeah, And given up everything he had. And uh, most people have been to Mount Vernon, and which is a beautiful incredible, very, it's a holy place. And when he, if you followed and read about the revolutionary war, when he was down to less than a thousand troops and when he was at valley forge and they were, they were freezing to death, just the tenacity was it eight years. And he had people, uh, that, were in our, our own army that, were, and he hit, hit a lot of enemies, uh, yeah. not only generals in our own army, but, uh, uh, with politicians and, um, to have that much, where you have your own, some of your own generals were against you, but more you're fighting an enemy, um, where, uh, and you when the Revolutionary War started, uh, especially in the in in the Carolinas, uh, there are more people dying. Fight Americans, they were fighting each other because America was was split. Should we leave the king, and should we leave England? You know, everything is is going pretty well and uh yeah I, I, we, we we they had no enemies back then except the native americans that's because we screwed them all by the way but yeah uh, right. it's uh, uh but for him to to, to is you know he, he was born in 1732 and he died in 1799 i'm a george washington uh fan along with lincoln and uh george washington died at 67 he died of uh strep throat and uh, if you know the story back then when you had uh, a, a I don't even know if you want to call it a, a disease but when you had these these simple um, uh, challenges uh, they would bleed what they would do is they would stick a needle in you in your arm and and and, and they would try to, and, and take the blood your blood out they felt like, we'll just take out the bad stuff yeah and the point he was so weak he said just let me go and type of thing yeah and here's here's the uh the, the father of our country
0: yeah well and also the fact that he one of the things i love about his story is that he willingly gave up the highest seat of power yes he said i'm he said i i could keep doing because at the time the the rules were different the, the, right. they would have they would have let him just stay president until he, you know, until he passed away. Mm-hmm. But he said, no, I'm, I'm, it's time to give this seat to somebody else. And, and that, that set the precedent for the future of, of holding uh, a presidential, a uh, president to a limited term in office. Right. And that was, a, it, it's unheard of in that. I That I can recall in in history of in the history of the world that the person holding the highest seat of power willingly gave it up so that somebody else could have a chance
3: yeah and matt and garrett as you know that a uh, lot of people in the united states wanted him to be king yes and uh, which would have been a disaster yeah and uh i mean for, for him to be willing to give to give up everything including his own life and uh America's been blessed with some incredible leaders.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, let's move into this week's Notable Smokable. And as always, Notable Smokables are brought to us by our friends at Ace Prime Cigars. Notable cigars, notable passion, notable purpose. So, Bobby, each week we each name a cigar that we smoked recently recently that was interesting to us. It could be a cigar that's been on the market for decades that we just smoked for the first time in a long time, or it could be a cigar that's newer to the market that we also just smoked for the first time. Uh, anything that that stood out that you've smoked recently. And, and of course, you know, being from JC Newman Cigar Company, you're, you're smoking most of your own product, but uh, what is that you're holding up
3: there? This is, we're a 126 year old company. This is the Perla de Mar Corojo We've never oh, wow. used Corojo wrapper in 126 years, and we got we got a break. Cigar Aficionado uh, rated the cigar. It was, it was like 1991, about six months ago. And uh, this is, uh, whether you like Cigar Aficionado or you don't like it, they can still make all the toilets flush in downtown Minneapolis at the same time. Yes, they, they can with with a with a rating a good rating and and good reviews there's a yeah. lot of res- a lot of respect around the world there are a lot of great magazines but cigar aficionado that they, they're they were they're there first and oh uh, yeah and uh uh the la gloria uh la gloria cubano you know uh ernesto he sold his company yeah those 40 million dollars uh, cigar aficionado gave uh, the, the first issue, the first 10 issues, like, uh, like, Gloria Cubano, uh, Ernesto Carrillo's, uh, brand, it was getting the, the highest ratings and he was able to sell his, I don't know if that was his end game, but he was able to sell the company, uh, to yeah. general PR company. And now course now he's a great, incredible, humble human being, just a great guy. I don't know if he's been on your show, but he's just, a. uh. He's one of my favorite people in the industry and outside yeah. of the industry, too.
0: Yeah. No, he hasn't been on the show, but we definitely hope to have him on someday. Uh, so, Garrett, did you have a notable this week? I did have a notable. Um, it, um... <laughs> did it just skip your mind? It just
2: totally.
0: Well, I'll tell mine yeah. and you can look yours up while I'm telling. So when uh, we had our Minnesota um uh, summer Minnesota Herf Connection. It's a Facebook group of, of great Minnesota cigar smokers. And we had our big summer Herf uh, uh, just a few weeks ago. And I uh, I was given a cigar uh, uh, by, by Jim, who's a friend of mine, a friend of ours. And it was a very old uh, Indian tobacco natural. So this was back when Indian tobacco was still um when when the they had just the the brand ownership had just uh it was sort of dual ownership between Rocky Patel and um uh Phil Zangie and um back when they still had the old uh Indian chief headdress oh, yeah, uh, remember um, it on, on the on the band so this cigar was somewhere probably boxed and sold somewhere in the, 2010, 2011 range uh, and still had plenty of flavor, even 10, 10 plus years later, uh, just smoked it uh, yesterday or, or, or over the weekend. And uh, yeah, still after all these years, plenty of flavor left in that cigar.
2: And uh, I remembered mine was the uh, Paul Gamerian uh, 30th.
0: Oh yeah. I hadn't had a PG cigar uh, in a long time.
2: Yeah. And I had never had the 30th and very unique cigar.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yep. I nice, loved it. Very, very nice. Um, so to give our oh sorry, I got to do uh, got to do this thing, finish that segment out. And that was this week's notable smokables, brought to you by Ace Prime, improving lives through fine cigars. Visit aceprime.com to learn more. Um, so to give our viewers and listeners an idea of some cool stuff we have coming up in the next few weeks um coming up on the 13th of september we have nick perdomo from perdomo cigars Uh, and then actually just a a couple days later we're going to have a special wednesday broadcast and this is a special broadcast because we're going to be live at an event here in minneapolis uh that has uh really grown over the years and it's it's something that that we're excited to be able to give a chance to put them on live and really get the word out about this because they do some great work for children uh, in the area. It's called the event is called cigars and baseball. And there are a number of cigar manufacturers and food vendors uh, that will be a part of this event. Uh, The proceeds go directly to the children's miracle league. If I, if Mm -hmm. I'm saying that correctly. Uh, So they basically uh, uh, they give uh they give children who are uh undergoing some pretty rough circumstances an opportunity to be a regular kid for a while play some baseball and and also hopefully get some you know uh just a little bit of help a little bit of a step up so it's an exciting opportunity for us as how about that cigar to bring some more attention to what they have going on and uh just share the love again in the cigar community uh, for some people who could uh, could use a little extra help. So that's some cool stuff we have coming up in the near future. Uh, so, Bobby, give our viewers and listeners a final idea. Of where's the best place for them to keep up with everything going on at J.C. Newman Cigars? And uh, if you have any special events or anything like that coming up soon, let us know about that as well.
3: Absolutely. And we've got our, you know, Adria, who runs our social media yeah. uh, website. And uh, so you visit uh, jcnewman.com, there's a whole there, – there's a section in there for, for events. You know, I, I will say, like you know this. Uh, this is public information. Drew Estate came out about two or three weeks ago and said they're doing no more events for the rest of the year, as you know. And uh, so we are – unfortunately, Tampa is the uh, epicenter for COVID coming back. And uh, so we just – we've had to cancel the rest of our events for this month. Mu- for August and uh uh this is supposed to peak in Tampa in late September so we are uh and listen the last pandemic was in 1918 and there's no one alive to 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 ask what happened after the pandemic yeah we don't know what's you know this is we're all going in uncharted territories as Americans and and the rest of the world obviously
0: yeah yeah Yeah, definitely. So yeah, guys, keep up with everything going on with, uh, with JC Newman. They've, they've really, there's, like I said, I've, I've said it a hundred times this broadcast and I'll keep saying it. There's some great history behind this company and I encourage you all to take the time to learn about it. Uh, and, uh, Bobby, we want to say thank you so much for being a part of the broadcast this evening. We had an absolute blast talking to you and learning from you about your family. And, uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight.
3: You're welcome. And listen, thank you for letting us come in, into your home. And uh, we, uh, please, to to you, uh, Garrett and Matt and your listeners, please come down and see us. Uh, starting this fall, we're going to start having hand cigar making classes uh, in our hand cigar making uh, factory it's called the America. The room is called the American. Um, you know, it's funny because uh, I the, the last ad, a smoke in, Uh, abe is a very good friend of ours and uh he had his uh uh his radio show in uh this past past saturday yeah i saw that it was great oh yeah and he's he's a terrific guy there's so many wonderful there are so many wonderful people in our industry and uh, as you know and you you've had them a lot you've had a lot of them on your show i'm just tickled to see that with with abe he's a dear friend and uh, smart passionate uh to hear how he got into the business is an incredible. His story—he came from the grocery industry in Chicago, and how he ended up where he is. Uh, been extremely successful, extremely generous uh, to uh, to all those uh, uh, in, in the in, uh, in, in the where he, where he is in in, in the Palm Beach uh, uh, area.
0: Yeah. Yeah so
3: uh thanks again and for our
0: viewers and listeners uh guys we're grateful to you as always for spending monday night with us live on facebook and live on youtube for those of you listening after after the fact on the audio podcast we're grateful to you as well uh as always if you guys have questions for myself or for garrett you can email us right on the website how about that follow us on all social media at hbt cigar And until we see you guys next time, burn cigars.
2: Not bridges.
0: See you guys. Thank you.
3: Bye-bye. Thank you.